I'm going to go back to uh, Scripture in Zechariah chapter 1, verse 3. And this is the, the heart of God, I believe, to the church, to the people of God. Therefore say to them, Thus declares the Lord of hosts, Return to me, says the Lord of hosts, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts, the leader of the armies of God. That's what that name actually means. And what God is saying to you and to me is, If you return to me, I'll return to you. And everything that I have, I will put and make available for you for whatever fight, whatever situation, whatever circumstances you have. It's like God saying, I'm going to be at your disposal. Isn't that wonderful today? Turn to somebody and tell them, my God is at my disposal. But there's a caveat, I've got to return to him. You say, have people scattered? Yes, there's been a great scattering in the body of Christ for a lot of reasons. And what God is saying is he is wanting us to return and be what he's called us to be. And there are a lot of things we need to return to. How many know we need to return to a biblical Jesus? We are not called to serve a woke Jesus. Well, they say he is because they don't like the standards that he represents. Now, we turn to and return to an authentic Lord, but we also need to return to the Word of God. Scripture tells us in Malachi 3, 7, For ever since the time of your ancestors you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. And then in Deuteronomy 4.30, When you are in distress and all these things have come upon you in the latter days, you will return to the Lord your God and listen to His voice. Turn to somebody and tell them, listen to His voice. And then in Deuteronomy 30, verse 2, And you return to the Lord your God and obey Him in all your heart and your soul, according to all that I command you today, you and your son. So returning to Him includes the concept of actually returning to His Word. You cannot have a right relationship with God without having a right relationship with His Word. You can't say, I love God, and then dismiss His Word. Can I have a better amen than that? Well, I love God, and I serve God, and I walk with God, and I'm a Christian, but, well, thus saith the Lord, here's what you should do in the Scripture. Here's what you should do with the command of God. Well, I don't think that applies to me today. You just prove that your relationship with God is not right because your relationship with His Word is not right. Look at somebody say, the Word of God. And so we get into this today, we talk more about the principle and the foundation of the Word of God. How important is it? The Bible says in John 1.1, in the beginning was the Word, and what? And the Word was God, and the Word was with God. When? In the beginning. So if you're going to start anything or begin anything, you need to begin with the Word of God. But you know what happens so many times, and if you're not careful as a Christian, you'll follow in that pattern. You'll go to the Word as a last resort. Instead of going to the Word making it first place and final authority in your life. The Word should never be last resort. Well, during this scattering that's gone on the past couple of years, that's exactly what people do. Well, do we have to go to the Word of God? Has it come to that? Listen, if you go to the Word of God first, you'd have peace. You'd have victory. You'd have solutions. You'd have the wisdom of God. Don't exercise everybody's thoughts and processes. Don't take a poll over something. Just go straight to the Word of God because that's where the answers are. Matthew 24, 35 says, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. You know, the list of eternal things in this universe is very, very small. Let me say it again. The list of eternal things is very, very small. How many know that our God is eternal? How many know that the Holy Ghost is eternal? 
How many know that the Son is eternal? How many know that the born-again spirit is eternal? How many know the non-born-again spirit is eternal? The only difference is the resting place. The Word is eternal. I just gave you a complete list of the eternal things. That's it. So if you're going to be someone who is founded and established, you're going to need to hook your wagon to that which is eternal. Opinions and politics and news reports and what grandma and them said, that's all fine and dandy, but the word itself is eternal. Then in Psalm 119 and verse 89, the word is forever settled in heaven. If you and I want to be established and fixed in life, we've got to attach ourselves to that which is established and fixed. The Bible says, I am the Lord thy God, I change not. How many of you like to be more consistent in your life? The only way that's going to become a reality to be truly settled is to fix yourself through the Word of God. Well, when we're talking about the Word of God, what are we talking about? Because just like when I had the message on Jesus, return to Jesus, it's sad that in 2022, I had to actually take the time to explain what Jesus I was talking about. Because there's a lot of views out there about what Jesus does and who He is. Well, we want to talk about the biblical and the authentic Jesus, don't we? Unfortunately, I have to do the same thing. Now, back in the 50s, I wouldn't have had to have done that, but I wasn't there. <laughs> Amen? You see, when you came to church in the 50s and even the 60s, there was a commonality of understanding. Today, there's a, a million views about what the Scripture is and is not, how much it applies or how much it doesn't apply. So we have to take the time to actually define what we mean by Jesus and define what we mean by the Word of God. And that's okay. I, I don't have any problem doing that so that everybody will understand. But how do you understand? There are a lot of contradictions out there right now. And there are a lot of voices out there. And if you're not careful, you'll find yourself detaching from God's word and getting into religion or legalism or new ageism or mysticism or some kind of secretism of a bunch of different religions or whatever we think or whatever we feel. It has nothing to do with any of that. The word is what? It is the revelation of the very character and the nature and the heart of God. And it is without debate. You either accept it or you do not. You either live by it or you do not. Well, first of all, it's the authentic Word of God. Not the doctored version, not the dissected version, not the redacted version, not the sanitized version, not the one where the gender's been removed. When you hear of a translation that intentionally tried to neuter the Bible, you know you're dealing with a perverted version. And so important you understand it. Why? Because if they'll do that to that version, what else are they doing to the Word of God? They call them experts. They say this is the best version of this and of that and the best translation. But the reality is throughout the Word of God historically in Hebrew and in Greek, it's very clear there are gender-specific phrases in the Bible. And I'm sorry, but when God made us, He made us male and female. And He uses those terms. And it should not be offensive to you to refer to your father as a he. Amen. Of all people, our Lord should not be confused about his gender. Amen. That's just the way it is. It's a simple step one when people begin to do this down the wrong path in their relationship with the word of God. Look at somebody and say it's the authentic word. 
Number two, it's the inerrant word. It means the original autographs in the Hebrew, the Greek, and the Aramaic are absolutely without error. Aren't you glad you can trust the Word of God? You see, everybody believes that in the church today. Very few people believe that in the church today. And there are only a couple Bible colleges in this country that actually hold to the principle of inerrancy. Listen to what I just said. There are only a few Bible colleges that hold to the principle of inerrancy. So what are the students going to believe? Number three, it's the infallible word of God. It is incapable of being wrong. If there's an issue of geography, science, time, or prophetic fulfillment, over and over again, you'll find the word of God being proven true. They once said there's a discrepancy between Jeremiah and Daniel on the issue of calendars and times until they found out that one was using a Hebrew calendar and the other one was using what? A Babylonian calendar. So what does that tell you? Once you understand that and then make the conversion encounters, you find out the Bible was true all along. They joked about you know, Jericho and how everything happened and how the walls came down. Look at somebody and tell them, the Bible says the walls came down. And they said, oh, well, that was just a natural occurring event, a natural situation happened until they excavated that area. And what they found is the, the stones did not fall, what? But how do they fall? In other words, you have to see that the revelation of the Word of God is going to be backed up time and time again by science. Look at somebody and say it. It's infallible. It's, infallible. it's incapable of being wrong. Look at somebody and say, that's not you. Tell them, you're, inca you're capable of being wrong. <laughs> Come on, say it. I'm capable of being wrong. The Bible... It's not. Listen, either you're interpreting it incorrectly or you've got a hold of some dead men's brains that tried to redact the Word of God or time has not revealed yet the answers. But when God begins to move and, and things are uncovered and transcripts are uncovered, time and time again, the Bible is backed up. The greatest discovery, I think, in the past 20 years is where they actually found Egyptian chariots matching the description of those that were used at the time of the parting of the Red Sea. Cadillacs of chariots. High officials who lost their lives and their army that day. If the Bible tells a story, guess what? It's true. You say, why do people play around with it? They don't want it to be true. Because if it's true, then I have to submit to it. Amen. I want to call the shots. I want to believe what I want to believe. I want to do what I want to do. Make no mistake about it. This entire abortion brouhaha is about one thing. It's about the authority of God. And an attack on His image. Amen. And I can tell you this, that... Uh, I always hoped that I would see what I'm seeing right now and, and eventually coming to pass where there's no less than a restriction on abortion across the country. And this present ruling that hasn't even come down now that somebody leaked because they're a louse and dishonorable and a vow breaker, that, that decision that comes down, all that does is throw it back to the states like Kentucky to make the law. 
So how does it work? If you want an abortion-free state, then vote for people who support life in that legislature, and then they go to Frankfurt and they vote, which they did. Most of you may not realize this, but the abortion clinics in Kentucky are now closed. Amen. Yeah. So the little ones get to live if they're in the bluegrass state. And that was against and overridden, you know, by the legislature over the governor's wishes. And that's the way this thing's supposed to work. But if you listen to the lunatics out there, this just automatically overturns everything. No, it just sends it back to each state. And thank God there are a lot of states with some very conservative laws on the books right now that will protect life. Well, it's my body, my choice. That's not your body. And that's not your choice. Now, does God love us and forgive us? Absolutely. What has he done with all those babies that were aborted? He's having a party upstairs. Amen. But that doesn't mean we should turn a blind eye when wholesale slaughter and murder has been going on in this nation. In an ill-advised decision from 1973. Amen. This is a perfect example. When you have people up in, in the Louisville area that actually went with their robes on and their collars on and dedicated an abortion clinic to the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank God those facilities shut down. But the audacity of somebody who, who dares to wear right, a clerical collar and represent the word, dare say that God endorses what's going on. Let me help you out here. Every aborted baby in this country was aborted and honoring Moloch. Child was sacrificed to convenience and to money and to power and to whatever else somebody else wanted to do. Amen. Uh, we're living in a very unusual day. Amen. I said we're living in a very unusual day. Uh, you're seeing things happen that many people never saw, you know, thought would happen. So how many are praying out there? Let me see your hand if you're praying out there. What does the Bible say? The Bible says before what? You were formed in the womb. I knew you. Paul said thou hast possessed me in my, in my, in the reins of early, you, you possessed the reins of my life from the time I am in the womb. John the Baptist was baptized in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Where? In the, what does that tell you? Very simple. The Bible. Everybody say the Bible. Thou shalt not kill. It's so simple when you just stick to the word of God. Say it with me. It's authentic, inerrant, infallible. Number four, the uncompromising word. I love that phrase. How many are glad to be in a church where the uncompromising word of God is preached? Where if the Bible says it's true, then it's true. If there's a promise there, you can have it. If there's a command, you should receive it. If there's a prophecy, it's going to come to pass. Amen. The Bible said that he was going to come the first time, and he came. The Bible says he's coming again. So what's going to happen? He's coming again. People who appreciate and live by the uncompromised word of God, they just believe what it says. Come on, shout it out. I believe it. And you shouldn't apologize because you dare to believe a promise that God made. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to them that believe. Say it. I'm not ashamed. 
Say it, I'm not ashamed. There are some people that believe, the, you know, the New Testament and believe the story of the new birth. That's great. Praise the Lord. There are other people that believe that. Plus, they believe the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Other people, plus that, they believe healing. They believe God's provision. They believe in God's miracles. Look at somebody and say, I'm going to believe. But you have a crowd out there that will only believe to a certain point. Turn to somebody and say, I'm just going to believe it all. Why? We're believers. That's what we do. Amen. Number five, the authoritative word. That God and his word are one and there is no higher authority in the universe. And he holds up everything by his powerful word. That's how authoritative it is. I always was intrigued when I read a scripture and Jesus is teaching and performing miracles. And the, the Bible says the people marveled because he taught, one as, he taught as one having what? Authority. That's the authority of the Word of God. Number six, the complete Word of God. Old Testament, New Testament, Revelation, Jesus warned us we don't take away from the Word. And what? We don't add to it. And I'm sorry for the very moral people known as Mormons, but they're out to lunch when they think that they have a second testament of Jesus Christ. That's not the second testament of Jesus Christ. That's the first testament of Lucifer. And it's not anointed. It's not inspired. Amen. Uh, the man that wrote it, I believe, had 55 wives. Moving right along, Pastor. And if you open up some of these things, the writings of Buddha are not on par with the Word of God. The Book of Mormon is not on par with the Word of God. Amen. Our theology books are not on par with the Word of God. There is nothing on par with the Word of God. It is the highest authority, and it needs to be complete in your mind. Receive the principles that God has taught us throughout the Word of God. Turn to somebody and say, I'm returning to the Word of God. There are some New Testament uh, Christian churches believe that you can only understand something from the New Testament. The Old Testament is irrelevant. If you don't look at the Old Testament, you will never understand the Old Testament unless you look at it through the eyes of the New Testament. You will fail to appreciate that every story in the Old Testament has principles for us that we are to learn and grow by. Amen. I thank God that we have honor for all of it. Praise God. Number seven, the transformational word. It transforms the one who reads it, believes it, and acts on it. The word says, sanctify them by thy truth. Thy word is truth. Raise your hand if you've been transformed by staying in the word of God. It literally has the power to bring itself to pass. That's why it's not just you know, a little ditty will do you. A little 10-minute pep talk won't help you. You need to be in the Word of God on Sunday, but you need to be in the Word of God every single day of the week if you want more transformation. Now, if you're satisfied where you are, then stay there. But let me give you a little secret here. You won't even hold on to what you have if you get out of the Word of God. What you have will slip. The revelation you have will slip. The victory you have will slip. The good things God has been doing in your life will slip. You've got to stay in the Word of God. But if you'll stay in the Word of God, it'll continue to transform you all the days of your life. And then one day there's going to be a shout. One day there's going to be a trumpet sound. One day the dead in Christ are going to rise first. One day you and I are going to be translated instantly 
from what? Life to death to life, just like that. And all of a sudden, you're going to be up to speed when it comes to the mind of God. But until that transformation takes place, you and I have got to be in and exposed to the thing that God has ordained to transform us. I don't care if it's just a few verses a day. Meditate on those and apply them to your life and it will change you. Look at somebody and tell them, I know you. You need to be changed. <laughs> Listen to the scripture from Matthew 7, verse 24 through 27. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with what? A great crash. Now understand this, the storm howls at everyone. The wind blows at everyone. The rain falls on everyone. Challenges happen to everyone. If you're a human being, that's a common experience. But not everyone stands up under it. Listen to a summary of, of this very powerful principle from the Word of God. All that hear and do the Word will stand and succeed. How many? All that hear and do the word of God, will stand and succeed no matter what is coming. And I'm telling you, if you're looking at things and saying, well, I just want things to get better, return to normal. Listen, the storm is not over. You have got to be more dedicated than ever to being on that word of God. You need to hear and you need to do. And those that do, all that will hear and do will stand and succeed in these times. I didn't make that promise. That's from the word of God. From the very mouth of Jesus, everyone, all will do that. But listen to this. All who hear and do not do the word will fail and fall. How many? How many? All who hear but then don't do what it says will fail and they will fall. It's entirely our decision whether we succeed in this time or not. Say it, I'm going to hear, and I'm going to do, and I'm going to succeed, and I'm going to stand. Amen? The command that we don't keep is what I call our storm point. It's the point where the storm will access our life and bring destruction. For a lot of people, that could be just something as, as, as simple as coming to church. It could be as simple as learning to be a tither and a giver. It could be as simple as, as learning to forgive. I've had people as a pastor just tell me straight to my face, I will not forget that person for what they have done. Now watch what you just did. You said Jesus is Lord. You said you love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. Then you got a word from the word that tells you, you must forgive. Jesus said, forgive as you have been forgiven. You just put yourself in an authority above the word of God. When the storm comes, you will not stand and succeed. You will fail and fall. 
you sit in a church long enough and you know about things like biblical stewardship, I'm not going to do that stuff. You know what? The Bible doesn't teach the tithe, and that's under the law. No, Abraham tithed 400 years before the law was given. I'm just not going to do stuff like that. You just put yourself above the authority of the Word of God. You will not succeed and stand in these times. You will fail and fall. The point where you put yourself at authority over the Word of God, that's the very place where you will fail. Well, I just don't think it takes going to church to serve my God. I can get all I need off the internet. I can get all I need from my own Bible study. Apparently, you need more because your thinking is whack. I don't need to go to church. I don't need to worship God publicly. I can do that wherever I'm at. Well, if you had read the authoritative word of God and understood it, you'd have found out that the reason we come to church is not even specifically to worship God. It's not specifically to even necessarily hear sermons. That's all part of it. The specific reason the apostle in Hebrews told us to gather was so that we would encourage one another and spur one another on to love and good works. The reason you come to church is for somebody else. And that's one of the reasons why people miss us when they're shopping around and when I want this kind of music, I want that kind of music. You know, I want lights, I want this, I want that. It has nothing to do with I. The attitude is you come in and you think, Lord, I'm yours to command. Now command me and show me who needs help, who needs prayer, who needs encouragement, who needs ministry. Who do I need to stand next to and sing because they always sing off key and I can help them today. We have gotten this thing upside down. This is what has become American Christianity. So I just, I can just do what I want to do, you know, because I can worship God anyway. You know, the finding God anywhere, that's not the issue. The issue is have you submitted yourself? Have you returned to the word or are you still writing your own laws? Those that hear and do will what? They'll stand and succeed. Those that do not hear and do, they will fail and they will fall. But I don't know about you, but I don't want to fail and fall. How many of y'all want to succeed and stand? It's critical that you do that. There's a young man named Josiah who was eight years old when he took the throne. Could you imagine? Eight years old. And Josiah had a, a tender heart towards the Lord. He wanted to worship God. He wanted the truth of God's word. He wanted to live it out. The problem is the book of the law had been gone for a very long time. had disappeared. And here's the deal. You can't keep principles of the word of God without the word of God being available to you. Uh, yeah, we're blessed people. How many of y'all have uh, devices with Bible versions on? Hundreds of them. You have... Bunches of copies. I mean, I have dozens of Bibles, the finest leather you've ever seen on Bibles. You know, I've, I've actually designed Bible covers and have them made. I mean, I love the Word of God. But uh, all that's not going to do you any good if you don't actually get into it. And so they strayed. 
during this period. And Josiah was a reformer. By the time he was 16 years old, he's purging the land of idolatry and astrotos and, and things that are, that are basically dedicated to Baal. And he's cleansing the land at 16 years old. By the time he's 26 years old, he mandates that the temple be rebuilt. Everybody say, I want to be just like Josiah. And so what happens was they send the money over to support the craftsmen and pay for the supplies. And while they're bringing the money out, they discover the book of the law. And the man of God then reads it to Josiah. And the first thing he does is he tears his clothes in repentance and humility. Let me just share some of this scripture with you. Everybody say, Josiah. And while they were bringing out the money that had been taken, this is uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 34, verse 14. While they were bringing out the money they had been taken into the temple of the Lord, Hilkiah the priest found the book of the law the Lord had been given through, uh, had given through Moses, and Hilkiah and Zephon the secretary, I found the book of the law in the temple of the Lord, and he gave it to Shaphan, and then he took it, and reported to the king, your officials are doing everything that has been committed to them. They have paid out the money that was in the temple of the Lord and have entrusted it to the supervisors and workers. And then the secretary informed the king, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. And then he read from it in the presence of the king. And when the king heard the words of the law, he tore his robes. He gave these orders to Hilkiah. And he said this to the secretary and Isaiah the king's attendant, Go and inquire of the Lord for me and for the remnant in Israel and Judah about what is written in this book and has been found. Great is the Lord's anger that is poured out on us because those who have gone before us have not kept the word of the Lord. They have not acted in accordance with all that is written in this book. Now, how many, how many understand the book has been hidden? And in that time frame, they turned away from the word. They turned away from God, got into all kinds of idolatry. And here's the point. You and I are still accountable even if we don't read the word. And the answer that came back was not good from the prophets and from the priests. The answer was, there is judgment coming because my people have gotten into all kinds of error. And how did they get into the air? Because they turned their eyes off of the word of God. Stay out of the word of God. You'll go right into error in your life. And that's what they did. But he said this to Josiah, because your heart was responsive and you humbled yourself before God when you heard what he had spoke against this place and its people. And because you humbled yourself before me and tore your robes and wept in my presence, I have heard you, declares the Lord. Now I will gather you to your ancestors and you will be buried in peace. Your eyes will not see all the disaster I'm going to bring upon this place and on those who live here. Turn to somebody and say, your eyes will not see it because you're just like Josiah. Then the king called together all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. He went up to the temple of the Lord with the people of Judah, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the priests and the Levites, all the people from the least to the greatest. He read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant, which had been found in the temple of the Lord. The king stood by his pillar and renewed uh, 
the covenant in the presence of the Lord, to follow the Lord and keep his commands, statutes, and decrees with all his heart and all his soul, and to obey the words of the, of the covenant written in this book. Then he had everyone in Jerusalem and Benjamin pledge themselves to it. The people of Jerusalem did this in accordance with the covenant of God, the God of their ancestors. Josiah removed all the detestable idols from all the territory belonging to the Israelites, and he had all who were present in Israel serve the Lord their God. As long as he lived, they did not fail to follow the Lord, the God of their ancestors. Isn't this a wonderful story? What would happen if a United States president, instead of defending the murder of the unborn, got up and read from the word of God for the whole nation? What if this nation returned to the principles of the covenant we have with God? What would happen? I'm sorry, but you can't be a good Catholic defending abortion. Those things don't go together, Mr. President. And the same thing applies to you and to me. Look, once you discover something that's been lost, your heart should be geared towards that. And he's a great model for us. How to return to the word. Turn to somebody and tell them how to return to the word. Josiah edition. Number one, rediscover the word. Go find your Bible. Go dust it off. Turn your device back on. Get back into it. I believe that uh, you know, some people think that they're right with God just because they have a, the biggest one they can find. Or because it's prominently displayed in the house. You know what? You got a nice big family Bible there on the coffee table, but nobody ever opens it? No. Rediscover it. Find your Bible. Open it up with what? Great honor. I'm trying to picture in my mind how the priest approached Josiah as he found the book. What a day that must have been. Ah, oh, today people just go, ah, oh, that's just the Bible. Ah, oh, that's just this. No, that ought to be approached with great honor. Amen? If you open up a digital version, even treat that with what? Great honor. Number two, read the word. Seriously soberly, intentionally. They first read it to Josiah, then Josiah took it and read it to the people. Why? Because you have to hear the thoughts of God. When we don't read, we forget what it said. Amen. Say this to me. The memory of a potato never nourished anyone. Well, I read that 15 years ago. I heard that sermon 20 years ago. Well, that doesn't matter. You need to have a fresh, up-to-date relationship with the Word of God. What you don't read actively today, you're going to forget. Number three, receive the Word. Like Josiah, with humility and conviction, with true repentance, rend your heart, not just your clothes. Don't judge it, analyze it, but receive it as the highest authority in your life. From now on, what the Word of God says goes in my life. And that's a hard thing in a world like ours today. Because everybody thinks they're an authority over the Word of God. Amen? Say this after me. God, God 
is smarter than me. I just get tickled when I think about people sitting in the little ivory tower offices that this is really a part of the Bible and that's part of the Bible, but this is not part of the Bible and this is man-made and this doesn't apply. That's interesting how smart those people are. And I find out the things they reject are the very things they just don't want to do. Isn't it funny how their scholarship and the rejection goes together? No. You have to say, I'm going to read it and I'm going to receive it with great repentance and great conviction, just like they did. You know, it's a treasure for us to be in a land where we can do this. A few years ago, our publishing company actually produced a Bible called the Fire Bible. Everybody say the Fire Bible. And um, the closest translation in Chinese they could get to help them understand this is a book about you know, the one true God and, and notes to help them understand a lot of things about the Holy Spirit. And uh, there are English versions out there, but it was specifically designed to be translated into Mandarin. And they would ship these things over there by the thousands. And, and what I'm doing right now, possession of this, is what they would technically call a felony in China. And doing what I'm doing right now would put me at least under house arrest, if not death, if not a work camp. You being here today would also cause you to be lifted off into some work camp somewhere because what you're listening to is inconsistent with their propaganda. The Chinese have been very, very effective at controlling their entire population by kicking God out. The problem is the Holy Spirit doesn't need a passport. Just goes on in. These have been shipped over there, and occasionally a video would come out, which is dangerous, as you can imagine. And they'd show the, the box being delivered by a worker that had been receiving the Bibles from a Western source. And they would take those things, and they'd, they'd pick them up, and they'd all be wrapped in plastic. And I'm telling you that uh, you would think they just found a pot of gold. They picked them up and they they pet them like that, and then they turned upside down. They would look at it and they would kiss it, and that's with the cellophane still on. And then they'd open them up, you know, and take the, very carefully take the cellophane off and open it up, and and they begin to to read in Mandarin. You see tears fill their eyes because most of them never even had so much as a page of the Bible let alone a Bible, let alone a Bible that would explain the things of God and how to be saved, how to be spirit-filled. And here you and I sit. Amen? We need to receive it with great humility and great repentance. Amen? Say it with me. The Word, first place and final authority in my life. And number four, respond to the Word. That's what Josiah did. Immediate dedication, obedience, and application. Let me say it again. Immediate dedication, obedience, and application. Stop doing what it forbids. Start doing what it directs. Deuteronomy 28 says, If you hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord our God, then all these blessings shall come up on you and overtake you. There is a blessing attached to treating this book with great honor and respect, enough to read it, enough to actually do it, to respond. How did he return to the Word? He, of course, rediscovered it. 
He read it, he received it, and he responded to it. James tells us we should not be deceived, being hearers, what? Only. We need to be what? Doers. To reject the word or any part of it is to reject God because God and his word are one. I can't think of anything that would cause more drastic transformation in this nation than for this nation to return to the word. But it's a tough sell right now because there are churches that won't even preach the word right now. There are churches that only preach things that are palatable, you know, to, to, the, to the hear and to the palate in terms of what they can take and receive. Uh, all I know is that Paul told Timothy was preach the word. Turn to somebody's house and preach the word. So how many know where your Bible is? How many have Bibles? All right. Praise the Lord. Raise your hand if you at least know where it is. Amen. Praise the Lord. How many say that you know how to read? Okay, so that can't be the excuse. <laughs> can't read. So we've got uh, part one, part two down. Amen. How about receiving it with great honor? When you hear the word read publicly or preached about or you're reading on your own time, that's God speaking directly to you. Amen? And it should be received with great humility, great honor, and great repentance. The, the key is, once we rediscover it and, and once we read it and, and once we receive it, is this is the word of God. And that's a big deal in today's world. Nothing's going to change if you don't act on what you read. I heard this years ago, uh, you know, in, uh, in some kind of a context. I can't remember what it was, but so, so powerfully, the Spirit of God just put an underline in my heart on this. That you, as a, as a child of God, understand the principle here. The Word has the power to bring itself to pass. Say this to me. The Word has the power to bring itself to pass. You know, there, there's no other book like it in the world. Say it one more time. The word has the power to bring itself to pass. The question is, how does that do that? You read it, receive it, and then act on it. And when you act on it, that's when that power is released. Watch this. Thousands of people all over the, the, the region here in church today could hear a plethora of messages that would help change their lives. But the only ones that are going to really receive any power are the ones that do what? That actually do the things they heard. There is no power released just because you were here today. If the message was forgive as you have been forgiven, and talking about reconciliation earlier that, that you know, Todd was talking about, and then you go out and say, I don't care. You don't know what they did. You don't know what they said. You don't know how they acted. And that's your response to the word of God. That's your problem. Your problem is not what that person did. Your problem is you don't have honor for the word of God. 
Did you hear a great sermon? Oh, praise the Lord. That sermon just blessed my heart. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, did you do what it said? No, but praise the Lord. It was a wonderful sermon. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. See, you've only returned to the Word if you're doing what the Word says. Amen. The reason this is so important is we're we're like God's having to take the American church back to pre-K. This is a Bible. This is an offering. This is a church service. Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together, as is the manner of some. Well, you know, I'll get around to it. <laughs> no. We have thousands of people in the body of Christ who somehow got away from the consciousness of the Word of God. It wasn't buried somewhere in the temple ruin, but it was, it's buried somewhere in the recesses of their mind, and they're not doing it, so they're not getting victory and breakthrough from it. It all comes down to they're not actually activating the Word of God because they're not doing what it says. Amen? So when I actually line up with it, something happens in my life. Supernatural power is released. How many still believe it's available? Let me ask you, how many still believe it's available? There is no content here that when acted on will not supernaturally transform your life. Amen. Look at somebody and tell them, I've been in pre-K long enough. When uh, my mom was in preschool programming, they always had a graduation ceremony for kids that were going from pre-K to kindergarten. And oh, they were the proudest little kids in the world. And they had little, you know, fake hats and little fake robes, but and little fake diplomas. Amen. <laughs> and they were just so excited. Amen. It's time to graduate and move on. So many things are, are elementary. But who cares as long as we're returning? Amen. Said, I'm returning. Say, I'm returning, I'm returning to the Bible, Jesus. And I'm returning to the authentic, genuine Word of God. Though none go with me. Amen. This is not your problem, this is your solution. Come on, give him a hand clap if you can receive that today.